Hi everyone, I'm April. And I'm Christine. Before we get started, we wanted to warn you that the following content contains adult language, activities, and violence, and may not be suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Southern Discomfort. This is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Southern tales of the weird, wild, mysterious, unusual, voodoo, Voodoo. cryptids, hauntings. Are you intrigued yet? This is Southern Discomfort. Southern Discomfort. And now, your hosts, April and Christine. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. What's up? Yes, here we are. Happy Halloween 2020. Here we are. Did y'all think we'd make it? Happy spooky season. Yeah. Well, it will be. And and by the time this drops, it probably will be. So Creeping it real. Yes. So, yeah, I'm super excited. You know, this is the most wonderful time of the year for me. And My favorite holiday. Yeah, and you. So, what you got? You got an update for us? I do. Okay. So, um, for those of you that have been with us since the beginning, way back in July, which, <laughs> right. honestly, though, it seems like, I it mean, does. it seems it, like it's been a long time. Well, so our second episode ever um, was the um, the death of Jessica Chambers. Um if you remember, she was the one who was burned alive in her car. Well, so the suspect in that murder case, Quentin Tellis, who (laughs) was a prominent um, person in that episode, uh, he has a um, pretrial hearing set for November 10th um, in Wichita Parish. Um, Actually, because I mentioned on that episode, he was indicted by a grand jury on second degree murder charges um, connected with another murder case, the 2015 stabbing of Ming Chen Sao. Um, She was the uh, recent college graduate of the university of Louisiana Monroe at Monroe. um, And she was killed in her apartment near campus over a, debit card or credit card um so he someone they're not sure who they have a good idea um obtained this card from her and um quentin tellis got hold of it and he used it to get i think a thousand dollars uh cash off of it well he when he was indicted on that charge he actually pleaded guilty to unauthorized use of a credit card not the murder case but now um things have changed and there's been um an, a development with a uh jailhouse informant one who actually um testified in a previous uh court hearing about this so anyway long story short he has a uh court date on november 10th so i'm anxious to see the outcome from that and uh, we'll certainly keep you guys posted. Yeah, we'll follow that. Yeah, I hadn't even heard of that yet. So thank you for that. 
So tonight we have a more of a fun. You know, we kind of were on a streak there for a while. It was like, you know, we, I got to do something fun. I got <laughs> last episode was um was re- very heavy for us, and so so let's do some something fun. It's Halloween. Let's get in the mood. Let's uh get in the mood. So <laughs> I'm in the mood. Right. I'm in the mood. Right. I can't do that, but <laughs> you did. That was from you. But I'm sure it. he'll play the uh, bite back on this episode. Right. Right. I'm in the mood. Right. Oh, our editor. And then if he doesn't, I'm gonna feel stupid. So whatever. Yeah, our editor. He's a he's a fun one. There. He's a little jokester. Likes to kid around. Yes, so shout out to Downsy. Happy related birthday. It was yesterday. Yeah, that's a lot of hard work for us behind the scenes. But, you know, when he's not clearing embassies, he's playing practical jokes. So, anyway. Now I heard he's going to start charging us. Like, what? (laughs) Just We'll pay you in caramel M&Ms. How about that? That's right. Just put it on our tab. Send us the bill. So, um, you know what? Since we live in Louisiana, I thought let's, we both came to this conclusion. Um, Louisiana is so mysterious anyway. And you think of that, I mean, everybody thinks, of course, New Orleans and the French Quarter, and, and rightfully so. It's so old. It has a lot, lot, lot of history and a lot of uh, mystery and intrigue. But um, it's, it's wonderful. Like from the ghosts and voodoo to the haunted French quarters, like from monsters in the swamp to pirates, um, we just have some stories that we'd like to share with you guys to, to get us in the, in the mood and the spirit of Halloween. So just sit back and get uncomfortable and listen up. So um, we have a tale from Arno's Restaurant. This one is actually in New Orleans, <laughs> and not to steal your thunder, Christine, but I think this is the only one in New Orleans that I have. So, anyway, oh, that's okay. we, <laughs> this is, I did have the pleasure of eating here, and I had no idea it was supposedly haunted. This is, it's amazing. So it's, it's wonderful, and anybody who ever has a chance, definitely go eat there. The food is just absolutely absolutely amazing it's amazing it is five star it should be like 10 star it's it is the type of restaurant where it's just elegant and classy and has the name plaques on the wall for like people who have that's their table like this is the table for such and such and I thought that's the life you know well the the ambiance is just so um it's it's so New Orleans and oh, yeah. ah, I love it. I've been there one time ever. Oh yeah, me too. And it was just but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Right, me too. It was last year or maybe a year before, but it was just uh, it's just per. It's so so old. It's like you're stepping back in time, even though you're not though. And then I have a funny story because I had this. It was our anniversary. I'll tell it real quick. I know they didn't tune in for my anniversary stories. But I had a, it was, it was, um, like I said, it was our anniversary. We were going for dinner there. It was was a surprise. So I had this little white number on that zipped up the side and it was one, once, um, it was like off the shoulder. And then the other side had, it was sleeveless, sleeveless off the shoulder on one side. And then it like zipped down the side. 
And I had the hardest time. Like our Uber was on the way. Actually, the Uber was downstairs. And that last thing I did was, of course, put on this little jumpsuit. And I zipped it up. And I, well, I hardly got it zipped up. It was like an act of like this because the zipper was not working for me like wardrobe malfunction and that's all i had you were gonna say that right and that's all i had i mean to go to this restaurant you know didn't have anything else um fancy so (laughs) did you have any sort of cover well no because i didn't (laughs) it was it was in um, it was August, I think. It, no, was our, oh, just, yeah, I, August I is our anniversary. Right. So, anyway, I, I finally get it. So that, that took forever. Uber's waiting. I'm stressed out. I'm, like, starting to sweat even more just because I'm stressed out because of this. I'm like, please don't let this be the reason why I don't get to go out to dinner on our anniversary. So, we finally get it up. But I was like, that is going to be the bitch to get down if I'm drinking, having a good time, I have to go to the bathroom. Like, then I'm like, oh, what do I do? Because I have to go frequently anyway, just because. And so I thought, oh, my gosh. I just, anyway, so we went, and we go have the best time drinking these, um, the French 75, which I have a recipe for. I'll post it in the show notes. It's kind of their um, signature drink with champagne and uh, brandy. I think it's brandy. Yeah. It's amazing. So, inevitably it happened I had to go to the bathroom so I go I said oh my god wish me luck so oh and then I had these heels I had these heels that were um it was so slippery I just remember that I thought okay if I don't bust my ass I'm not gonna be able to zip my thing I said look if you have taken an inordinate an an amount of time please come for me because I cannot I cannot zip my my, my, uh, little pantsuit up so if I'm not back right, in right. <laughs> so, you know, send how, in the, how send in the, what's it called? Troops. I don't know. National Guard. Heart. Yeah. So how romantic is that? Right. <laughs> Just, but after you've been married for 10 years together for 10 years. Yeah, that's fine. So I get in there fine and it t- did take me a while. And so I finally did get it zipped up. I thought, oh my God, this is great. So, and then I'm like tiptoeing back. But anyway, that's my little story. Um, but I did later on wear that. I don't know why I'm a glutton for punishment, but I brought it on our cruise right after that. And I did, I wasn't a one that, oh my God, that night we celebrate, celebrated my husband's birthday. And I think you've heard this story. I could not uh, like yeah, this story. I know. <laughs> And it zipped up in the bathroom, and, I, and my husband, I was like panicking and freaking out because we had actually, we were not close to our room. We were actually in one of the bars there, and so he was like flagging people down, walking by, getting people, and then I'm like fussing because I'm panic stricken, right? Because my boobs hanging out, it's crazy. And then, but he did give me his shirt. I had his shirt, and he walked out with it. He's such a gentleman. So I have retired that. <laughs> That's me. You're done with that. I love it though. It's white. It's so, anyway, it's, uh, so it's a Creole restaurant and it is the largest restaurant in New Orleans and it has the largest kitchen of any, um, other restaurant in the city. So it was founded in 1918 by a French wine salesman, Arnaud Casanave. I don't know if that's how you say it, but that's how I like to say it. I think that sounds very... That's how you say it. That's that's how I say it. So that's how I'm going to say it. In 1978, 60 years after the restaurant opened, 
it was bought by Archie and Jane Casbarian, and the the Casbarian family worked toward getting towards getting the restaurant back in its original way, in um, original order, the way that um, Arno Casanave intended. So the efforts to revert to the way the restaurant started, the building was renovated and the menu was altered. So these changes they brought um, like a positive vibe to the um, to the restaurant. But this was kind of cute. I thought this was so cute. So ironically, the mystery room that gets its name from the spirits because um, during Prohibition, when alcohol was um, banned, there was a door in the woman's restroom that opened to a secret chamber, and the customers would disappear with a coffee cup, and then they returned with something stronger than coffee. They would be asked about what's in your drink, and they would say, it's a mystery to me. (laughs) That is cute. Right. So I thought, oh, that's really cute. So that's how they call it the mystery room. So I wish I would have known that before I went in there because I did spend a little bit of time in the restroom. (laughs) I would have been like, I'm in the mystery room. (laughs) You'd be like, where's my spirit? (laughs) I could really use the spirit right now. Hey, maybe the spirits helped me. Zip my maybe they could have been instrumental in getting you back in it. Yes. Okay. So I like that. I like that thought. Um, so so staff and um visitors alike, patrons, they they've noticed some things that have happened and it's just some things that um that aren't quite so like normal, I guess. Um they would some people have seen tuxedo-clad gentlemen disappear, like the dressed like waiters of the day, like disappear into walls, like walk down the, the hall and just disappear into the wall. That's very spooky. Oh, yeah, no, and I wouldn't. I'd be like, we got to go. Check, please. Check them out. Like the food is great. But, but then, too, here's the thing I thought about. If you are into the, if you're in the mood and you're drinking and the spirits, you're drinking spirits and it's flowing, right? I mean, how do you know if you're just not tipsy or drunk? Or are you really Good spirit? question. Good question. Glad you raised it early on because I had that same exact freaking thought when I was doing my research. Really? See, we're basically the same person split in half. Or mm-hmm. about two, three years apart. So, um, <laughs> I've seen people like turn the corner, people with their trays. Um, this is crazy too because they'll hear people call out orders, just like orders from like the original menu and back in the day, and they'll go into like the, disembodied. Yes, disembodied out orders. Yes, what? yes, and then go in there and there's nobody there. Isn't that weird? Not a lot. Like they're calling out food orders. That's that's pretty strange. <laughs> um, but yeah, Dude, that's not the, on the menu anymore. It's <laughs> been gone for like forty years. Right. So that's how you know. It's like they like I heard a voice and they were ghosts. Oh, ma'am, are you sure? Yes, because they were calling out these dishes that they we don't even eat. I don't even know what they ate back then, but they like. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's Arno's, and, and it's a shame that I didn't know about that before we went. Or is it? I don't know. Either way, I'll definitely go I back. don't know. I want to say, uh, and I I mean, 
I don't know if you came across this, but I want to say I've heard that like Arno's ghost has been seen before, but that could be just, you know, like embellishment. Like Arno Casanave? Yeah. Yeah, like in the corner. Right. But who knows? Right. It's it's fun though, and this is not. I like this because it's it it does have a ring of not tr- not I wouldn't say truth, because I'm, I'm but I'm also not discounting what these people think they heard or, or saw, but have seen. But this one is not as elaborate. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have a whole lot of details in it, so it doesn't feel like it's a a, a tale being spun. It's right. just like, it's just. You know, reports of yeah, things that have, have occurred. Right. Like, I think I saw them walk down the hall and, and disappear into the wall. Yeah, that would do it for me. <laughs> D- done. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> but, you know, as many times as I've been tipsy and drunk in New Orleans, I've never seen anything remotely look like somebody walked down a hallway and disappeared into a wall. So, there's that, too. That's kind of undoubt- undoubted. Undubitedly. Undubitedly. <laughs> so there you go. Well, so I have a little tidbit about the Lalari Mansion. <laughs> um, this is a uh, mansion that's, it was actually built in the, um, 1800s it's uh, it's still it's part of the original structure is actually still there um on royal at 1140 royal and it's from the photos it's uh, prominently sits on a corner um originally uh marie delphine lalari or she was also referred to as madame lalari um she was of uh creole or European and black descent. We've talked about the Creole class in New Orleans in previous episodes. Um, But she lived in the, well, she actually and her third husband, Leonard Lewis Nicholas Lillari, they built the mansion. That's a, that's, that's a mouthful. With a lot of names. (laughs) That's, that's a mouthful. Yeah, that is. Yes. That's Leonard with all the names. With all the names. So they they actually uh, built the mansion, and um, she was the typical uh, New Orleans socialite, and she hosted a lot of gatherings and parties, and she was actually pretty well liked by high society in New Orleans, and particularly in the French Quarter. Um, Yeah. So... But in 1834, there was a fire in the house, and um, police and firemen discovered a an abhorrent scene uh, when they uh, responded to it. Uh, you know, there again, words are hard. <laughs> so they found on um, the top floor. They found I think it was three stories originally before the fire. Could have been two. Don't quote me on that. But at the, on the top floor, they found um, tortured slaves. And when I say tortured, it's it was anything from mutilation. Um, some were suspended by their necks. Um, 
Some were in cages. Others were strapped to tables, like a makeshift operating table, which is where I assume the mutilations happened. Yeah. Um, but it's, again, just particularly heinous. So, so when people heard about this, uh, they stormed the property, basically destroying any and everything that was left behind from the fire. And this TC of a person, that's like <laughs> gratuitous. Right. She, Good. Uh, I'm glad they did. Uh, she escaped Delphine. Es- she escaped and went to Paris where she died in 1842. Wow. Um, well, so since after that, they rebuilt, oh, I say they. Um, It was purchased by a Frenchman, and he rebuilt it. And since that time, in 1838, the house has been private property. It's never been open to the public. Okay, Um, real quick, where is this? Because I feel like I don't... I feel like, of course, I've been by there, but I've never been like, that's the LaLaurie Mansion. Do you know what I mean? Me either. But I I will the next time I go, for sure. Because... Definitely. And I'll be honest with you, it looks so similar to all of the other buildings that are there. It's not one that I would, you know, take a second look at unless I knew that there was some significance to it. Right. Um, It's just that typical structure, which there's, you know, it it reminds me of that corner of, um, Royal, Royal, and um, oh gosh, the famous one, <laughs> that famous corner. It's in all the commercials. It's in, you know, it's the that famous corner with the brown building. And anyway, you know, we we'll had to edit that out because, like this he said, it all looks the same. Rounded. Yeah. Um. But this one's eleven forty Royal. I know that doesn't tell anybody shite. But well, then maybe that is it. I don't know. We'll have to could be check that out. Fact check, but that. um, I know we did fact check, <laughs> fact check, please. Um, so no one from the public though has ever been allowed in, oh. but there over the years and gosh, you know, almost hundred years, I guess ninety years ish, um, there have been claims uh, that people hear the screams yeah. from the tortured slaves and they can be heard from the streets. Um, yeah. and former, so it's changed hands many, many times, yeah. uh, over the years too. And so I didn't find any real specific information to this end, but former owners have reported strange things happening there. And that could possibly be why people don't stay, keep it for more than a few years before they sell it again. But yeah. I, I can only imagine that, you know, there wouldn't be this is where I'm like, okay, I can believe that. Right. And they were in cages. And it, it, that just goes to show you that evil has no look about it. Like, it has no certain standard look. You can't look at somebody and know that person. I mean, if you get to know I'm sure. But if you, like, what I'm saying is they had parties and they hosted parties and she was a socialite. Surely they did not know, a lot of people to a large degree didn't know what she was doing or was capable of. There had to have been some way that they kept them from making any noises when they had you right. know, these lavish parties like that. 
which right. I don't even want to think about ways that they would have done that. But sure, and and that was evil even for the time, which you know significantly as time has progressed, we've gotten more civilized. You'd like to think anyway, and even then, it was a more brutal time, and that was brutal and like you said abhorrent for the day so that's bad like that's horrifically bad yes so she's basic she was basically a piece of shit person oh Just... for sure and, she, and then she gets to i did not know that about the story i did not know that she got to ride off into the sunset and Paris. oh yeah and i'm sure well you know can only imagine what she did with the rest of her life if that was her thing, you know, to torture wow. people. Wow. 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 Okay. So, um, this is a fun one. This is um, the Gross Tate Lights. So, I used to uh, live in Gross Tate, Louisiana, which is about 12 miles from the Mississippi River Bridge. And, um, that's where I met my husband, and he I, he lived with me for a little while because I was living there anyway, and he can only take it six months, and he's like, I can't take it anymore because it's a village of about 800 people. <laughs> it's very tiny. It's a very small dot on the map, and it's um, French for big head because um, the story goes that um, the Native Americans that lived there in the day, they... Um, had a chief who um, they called Big Head. So Gross Tet. It's, it's actually French for uh, Big Head. And um, so when the French came, they saw the, the, the Native Americans. That's what they they said. So there is a story of the Fufale. And that is, um, it's French for crazy fire, or I've seen it marsh fire too. So in southwestern Louisiana, it's referred to it's the willow wisps. Um, that's what some people know it as, or like fairies, uh, where the fae comes in, or the fairy lights. And these are the lights that you can see in swamps. Some people say it's swamp gas, it's ball lights. It's um, I'm not sure if this is like the ball lightning, but can I just say one thing here? Yes, yes. and not to interrupt you, but. So, I just want to say for any True Blood fans out there. Yes. The Gross Tate is literally the same as... Uh, bon Ton. Bon Ton. And yes. so... Yes. What was Sam's place called? Merlot's. Merlot's. Okay. Spelled like Merlot, so but yeah. There is a place there, a restaurant... That is could be it could be Merlot's right. So since you mentioned fairies and the fae, yes. I just really wanted to interject that right there because if you're so when you think gross state, think bon yes, ton. think Bonton and and um that's so perfect. The, the whole setting actually because the bayou runs through it. It's very lush out there. It's very green. It's swampy. It's marshy. And bayou, and that's what it is. It's sugar cane when it's in season, and then it's um, fields, or it's um, like you said, there was a. Um, it just had that feel of uh, of merlots, like you were on the setting of merlots. That was that's cool. That was a cool uh, reference too. So anyway, um, the, it's called it's the legend of the Cajun fairy, actually. 
is what they call that. So this so fits right in the whole, the whole uh, True Blood, which may be why we like that so much. It's just so relatable. Maybe. Yeah, it it it, 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 do, it feels true to life when you go there. It really does. Well, not true to life. True to I guess that's uh, what is that saying? Art, art imitating. imitating life. Life imitating yeah, yeah, art. Yeah. 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 So these are known as uh, the Cajun fairy, the Cajun fairy lights, the fufule. They can appear as phosphorescent balls of fire. And they are typically in the swamps and the marshy bog areas. Um, like I said, a lot of people say, oh, that's swamp gas. You know? <laughs> I kind of chalk it up to that. But some people think it's actually little fairies or little sprites or the... Um, they say it's the ghost. The Cajuns believe that it's the ghost of the loved ones. Um, and then some of them, yeah, some of them believe that this is the, they're the souls of the unbaptized babies, which sounds very Catholic to me. Very, you know, very steeped in, in that uh, Cajun culture. Or infants have departed this world um, before being blessed. Um, I know, I it is. This one is. So, but they say if you follow them, they will lead you deep in the swamp where you will remain lost until daybreak. That's if you survive the night. So, the only way to outsmart the fofolet is to stick a knife into the ground or a fence post so that the light will dance around the blade instead of bothering you. Okay. I love how Cajun folklore and Louisiana folklore, like, I think of the Rougarou. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, which we we covered that in our um other Southern cryptids. Southern cryptids, yeah. And so they have a way to outsmarting, right? You put thirteen objects outside because you <laughs> can only count to twelve. <laughs> so that you know the Cajuns are like, okay, we had this problem, right? But we have a way to counter that. You know, we're always going to come up with something to outsmart him. Cajun logic. <laughs> Doesn't it? So it sounds like that to me. So, but some Cajuns, they insist upon using a needle, coaxing the mysterious light to pass through the eye of the needle. That's, that's kind of crazy, but that's biblical too. If you yeah. think about it, like a camel, fit a camel to the eye of a needle. Um, so in gross tape and it's on, this is on, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's a bayou road. There's a bayou, like I said, runs through it. And um, I actually lived, uh, where I lived, I lived on Dump Road. So this is a road, with, and they call it, <laughs> I was like, that is so, uh, such a terrible name. But they call it Dump Road because um, of the railroad when, um, that that ran through there. That they, when they were, that's where they would dump. Uh, I guess, I think it, I heard, if I'm remembering correctly, it's when they were making the road, the railroad, that's where they would dump the item. So that was Dump, oh, that's Dump Road. So, um, they have this. That's pretty typical in little southern towns, <laughs> right, too, right. just FYI. Just... I mean, we're just, hey, why don't we call that dump road since the dump's down there? Yeah, like, that's where we, right, so that's what we're going to call it. Okay, sounds good to me, works. Okay, and then nobody contested that, right? So, <laughs> like, okay, roll with it. But, um. The, uh, the, and I heard this when I lived there, uh, that it, not everybody talked about it because I, I worked at the, um, the little restaurant 
that look like Merlot. Yes, yes. And I actually thought, like, I was like, oh, I'm sucking. <laughs> no, I didn't really. But yeah, sometimes I probably kind of did. I probably did. Kinda that would that. get me through my shift. I'm sucking. This is Merlot. So. <laughs> it, was so re- it was so relatable because the show was popular then. And I had the little, the, um, the little. Oh, the little. The waitress. Apron. Yes, I had that. Yeah, I didn't even bought the um, the Merlot shirt because you could buy the I HBO. remember that. Yeah, I didn't wear it, but not to work, but I wore it in off shift. So I pretended to be a waitress off shift too when I wasn't working. No, anyway, <laughs> I digress so hard, but there were stories that people would come in and they would talk about the lights, the ball lights that they would see in the um, and it's it's on private property now, but evidently. Like, I heard it through the people who lived there, and the story was passed down. But people would drive from Baton Rouge, you know, people, LSU students. Like, through the years, they would come looking. For, and I don't think they do it so much now, but they would come looking for those lights. Like, it was known in that area. Like, there's um, these ball lights out there. So, the the um, story goes that um, there was a, a railroad employee it was to the to the pacific the texas pacific lines <laughs> words are hard so he <laughs> right that's the and on this road that's where the tracks were so one of the employees he would uh routinely visit the area and he would manually switch the tracks and one night his lanyard went out the light in his lanyard went out and he was hit by a train so he was it was decapitated. And so they say that the light is his lantern. Like the light that they see, the ball light that kind of jumps around, moves around. That's his lantern yeah. move around. He's looking for his head. And that's the story wow. that goes around. <laughs> right. You know, and that sounds like a, a, you know, a story, a yarn, right? So, I don't know, man. That's a pretty good one. That is. But it was pretty amazing to go back and look at the stories. And you can go look it up on Reddit and certain places and little pockets online. But there were stories about people who were like, even back in the 60s, and so they were like, we would go out there and we would look for this thing. We'd pile up in the car um, and go look for it. So you never went looking for these? No, because it, it was it's on private property now. And so oh, you can't, okay. yeah, you can't just go go out there and look. Um, I mean, you can, but you couldn't, you shouldn't. Right, right. You should not do that at night. It's for probably sure. not worth it. To not go. out there because everybody, I promise you, owns at least one gun. <laughs> at least, you know, and they're wearing it. They just put it on their gun rack. Like, it's that kind of place. So, um, there was an LSU professor. He insisted that the light was caused by swamp gases released, um, the methane and the, the rotting vegetation yeah. and the light. Um, you know, that's where the light comes from. You know, that's womp, womp, womp. Like, you know, I'd right? like to believe it's the <laughs> spirits of the unborn or the fairies. Right. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool to actually be around that kind of conversation. Like, don't bring your science in here. Right. Don't ruin our fave faux filet with your science. With your science. Incidentally, what's the drink du jour? Right. Because we, we actually forgot. We forgot that. Yeah, that. sorry about that, guys. You have to go into the episode, this episode, and listen to it a little bit to find out the drink du jour, which is voodoo by Tin Roof. 
not to be confused but voodoo from dixie beer but um this is actually tin roof it's born in baton rouge is what they call it it's actually on the can that's pretty cute so it's an american pale ale and it's um a juicy hazy apa i like it it's very similar to my favorite um, devil's harvest by southern prohibition it is um it's light and it is it's very citrusy though to me but um the way they described it is a heavily dry hopped american pale ale and so in that case you would probably not like this drink christy heavily hopped <laughs> i'm out right <laughs> yeah, it's too hoppy for me so it's too hoppy it says expect melon passion fruit tangelo and pine flavors and you know what? That is exactly, well, I don't know that I could, I don't have a good palate to specifically pick out each one of those, but I did pick up on the, the it was very citrus heavy. I do, I like it. I like it a lot, actually. See, so. and I will say, like those notes, like those citrusy notes, I like that. It's the hoppy finish that gotcha. just like, whoop. You know, I just don't like it. Sorry, that was a terrible one. <laughs> no, I and I can see that, but I don't. I guess that part doesn't bother me so much. So I like it. That's good. I think it's. Um, I really like it. I like it a lot. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> you know what? This is our silly episode. We're just gonna get. We're gonna um. Loosen get it, silly. We're get, loosen it up on this one because we've had a couple of heavy ones. So, hope you enjoy. So, next on my list is St. Louis Cemetery. Oh, yes. It's getting good. No. Well, so, and, and St. Louis Cemetery is what, if you've ever, I mean, like, if you're local, obviously, you know, but if you've ever visited New Orleans and you've seen the above ground burial vaults yes. or tombs or what have you whatever crips. name you use some people refer to them as crypts they're not um, really though right That's not they're really. not they're vaults they're they're truly vaults okay. burial vaults right. um and we've referenced why this is um commonplace in new orleans uh in previous episodes but if you're curious definitely you know don't take my word for it. Go, you know, go and goggle it. Fact check um, it. Fact check it. But so St. Louis Cemetery is actually three cemeteries. It's St. Louis one, two, and three. And number one is the most famous. So I'm going to again reference a previous episode. Actually, our uh, inaugural episode, Storyville. Um it is so it is actually located in close proximity if not like crossover into where right. storyville um was it's eight blocks from mississippi the mississippi river on north basin street which is where storyville was yep. um one block behind the french quarter um Can I say so just wanted to you know pay homage to our inaugural yeah. episode which is everybody's least favorite it's probably one of my favorite ones i just one of my favorite stories i'm sorry i just jumped in here but i probably would have liked storyville the day 
because they that they had a lot of fun there. You know, I, and I, I'm right. and I'm not referring exclusively to sex. Of course, you know, they that's where the music was. That's where it was lively. Everybody else felt like too, in comparison, was stuffy, and you know they couldn't have Played a good time. Back. Right, right. Yeah. Loosened Drink. up, like yes, have a good flipping time. Yeah, I think that would have been my spot. Just See, mom, I can refrain from using the f bomb. You did great. I'm proud of you. I can can't promise that I'll continue to. Um, so the cemetery has been there for almost 300 years because, as we've said before, New Orleans is actually older than the United States, and there are well-known ghosts inhabitants of the cemetery. So I'm going to talk about uh, the three most popular. (laughs) Okay. And the first one is going to come. The first one needs no introduction. Okay. It's freaking voodoo priestess Marie Laveau. Okay. If you don't know who she is, (laughs) I don't know what. Down in Louisiana where the black trees. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So she's, I'll tell you, if you don't know, I'll tell you. She's New Orleans' most famous voodoo practitioner. And she lived from 1801 to 1881. Um, She's been, well, there are many, many reports very often by locals that she walks the streets of New Orleans since, since she died in 1881. But some people believe that a voodoo spell actually brought her back to life that that's not necessarily her apparition that is that's her that Mm. she was brought back to life and is still you know Mm. kicking it in new orleans which i'm sorry but that's another one that like (laughs) i could i might kind (laughs) of believe that hey if if anybody knew she did (laughs) or does so, um, she supposedly laid to rest in the Glapion tomb, which is her family's tomb. And she walks among the graves with the, um, a, a head wrap and traditional voodoo dress often seen walking into the Glapion tomb. Like that's, that's home base for her. Oh. But, um, she doesn't like, that's that's really it like she doesn't you know interact with people she doesn't um do any obviously she's not going to do any harm like you know we've talked about this before but voodoo is a religion and it's right. you know it's it's, it's not based, something that is it, it it's based it, more on just, healing you're right yeah thank you thank right. you yeah the, <laughs> Thank you for finding my words. Tapping into that. This is why we do this together. Yes, absolutely. I'm here for you. Got you. Okay. Thank goodness. So I, you know, I like, I like her story and I think it would be super freaking cool whether or not she actually came back to life or it's her apparition would just love to see that. But anyway, right. So she's, I would say, the most prominent um, resident of St. Louis. And um, next is Henry Vines, um, a gentleman who um, had no actual home because uh, he was a seaman 
or sailor, Siemens, <laughs> one to say. Sorry, mom. Um, he had, so he had no official home, but he lived in a boarding house in New Orleans. Um, and when he would go out to sea, he would give his landlady all of his important documents because he didn't have anywhere to like store them. And in those documents uh, was the deed to his family's vault in the cemetery. So late in his life, he went, he went out to sea and he had her, he trusted her to, to keep, uh, to safe keep the documents. In other words, well, um, she actually sold the deed to the family's vault while he was away. And obviously she did that for personal, um, financial gain. Wow. POS. Okay. Well, anyway, he ended up, uh, having to be buried in the field, um, it's what they call the paupers section of St. Louis cemetery. It's basically a field where the poor people are buried, but he had claim to, yeah, he had ownership of a vault, but was um, denied that by this TC. That's so sad. He didn't even have a house. He didn't have an abode. And then he didn't Didn't have have a home in life. And now you don't have a resting place. Like that's, that's a, a shite deal. Right. You two for two. <laughs> Go ahead, Christine. Probably cleaning uh, up your act there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Just, you know what? Like, I have to say this. Like, as of late, I, uh, I my company has um, merged with a, a basically a, a global network and so a lot of my co-workers are um from the uk and um other european countries and spain and yeah. um so africa and lots of different places so they i think it really gets on their nerves that i like use their um oh. i use their <laughs> slang and their cuss words they're like why are you trying to be like a <laughs> It's rubbing off on me. I can't help it. Anyway, I just squirreled. That's funny. So um, <laughs> they're like, "What are you British?" No, right. do I sound like it? You should so, just start talking in an accent. <laughs> I want to right. on calls. I'm like, what if I just started talking like that? Would they be like, "You're fired"? Like, stop it. You that know, would be, that would be funny. That would be hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, right? Oh, good job. Um, You're gonna lose your street cred though. The more you uh, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's okay. It's okay. It's um okay. so he his is an apparition that looks lifelike. He's very tall, has crystal blue eyes, mm-hmm. and he's wearing he wears a white shirt and this is so sad. He wanders around looking for his family's vault so he can be buried in a proper place. That is sad. I know that story vaguely, like vaguely. I feel like I know like that story. I don't know what her name was, but <laughs> yeah, she's terrible. That's you were a terrible human. Yeah, gone with you. And then, so last, not last, but last on my list, because I just, you know, picked the most popular ones, is 
um, Alphonse, and he is another lifelike apparition, but his backstory is unknown. And, you know, no one knows who he is or how he died, uh, but he is a young man and he does interact with visitors. He will approach and he'll reach for the hands of visitors and he'll ask for help to find his home. And then he starts to cry. Oh, God, these are sad ghosts. These are, they're sad. I know. Aww. But, I know. Like, why did I, ugh, why? Okay. It's different. So, I know. He, he's afraid of the Panid or Panade family vault, and he will, like, warn people, like, stay away <laughs> from the Panade or Panade. I don't know how it's pronounced. Maybe um, that's the lady or family. Uh-huh. Maybe that's the lady from the first story and her family. That's what, that's a very good point. Like maybe she's responsible and he's like, dude, you don't want to go by her. Bad, bad news. But for for some reason, he'll warn people to stay away from it. It's again, unknown. But anyway, those are the most popular uh, residents and um, sorry that they were sad because this is supposed to be our fun episode. No, it's fun. It is it's kind of sad. At least they're not like mean and evil and hateful, but that is sad. Um, so next up, we have the legend of the voodoo priestess. Another voodoo priestess. Maybe she shouldn't be called the voodoo priestess, but uh, Julia Brown. Who haunts the Manshack Swamp? So, um, for those of you who don't know, Manshack Swamps are the wetlands. They're about about thirty minutes uh, northwest of New Orleans, in um, thick swamp. And um, imagine cypress trees and alligators lurking in the muddy muddy waters of the swamp. Um, this, so, if you can, like, just picture that. Fog. fog. Oh, yeah, fog coming up. Yeah, swamp gas. Fish, <laughs> exactly. Painting the picture here. Um, he had the legend of the curse of the, the local voodoo queen, Julia Brown. So, she is sometimes called Julia White and sometimes called Julia Black as well. But she lived on the edge of the swamp. So, this is kind of where you get that. Uh, you know, you had, like you just described, Marie Laveau, who was very urban. She was very urban priestess <laughs> back in yeah. the day. But this is where you get, like, the the swamp, the backwoods swamp voodoo priestess. <laughs> also, you can think um, True Blood, the episode yep. when she's in the van. <laughs> and she gets, um, it was Tara, Tara's mom. Was getting yeah. exorcism. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's for the. Oh, she ended up being a fake, but anyway, it, it, it's this kind of voodoo priestess, the swampy kind. That is a good. Yeah, that is a good analogy. Uh, I like it. Right, they did. They picked up on a lot of um, Louisiana uh, culture and and legends. So, so she was known for her charms and her curses, and she would sing eerie songs with her guitar on her porch. And so she would say, um, but she, well, she would also predict people's deaths with um, pretty good accuracy, which is probably how she got dubbed like the voodoo 
priestess because she would like predict when people would die and they would. But you know, predict. Oh, you're gonna die. I didn't know how specific that was, but but maybe it was pretty specific because why would you be? You know, like that's the people's go to, right? Oh, she's a witch. She's a voodoo priestess. You know, you immediately get dubbed that. But um, there aren't any records of her voodoo work or or even her references um, as a voodoo priestess by the name of Brown, who who worked, um, I said worked, who <laughs> did her voodoo magic, I guess. But, well, like a practitioner, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I said that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> there aren't any records of like her actually doing any voodoo work but she was um there was a voodoo priestess or queen by the name of brown who did work in new orleans so this is kind of okay. interesting and this is around the 1860s which was the time um when marie laveau was around as well too so i don't know if they um surely they ran into each other or they knew each other but this was, yeah, and this is before she went to the swamp, and maybe that's why she did. I don't know. We're speculating here. I'm just kind of reading into the story. Maybe that's well, why she got moved out to the yeah, edges of the swamp. Like, what if she was like, this is my turf. Like, you, yeah. you need to go to the woods. I was just thinking that, like, turf wars. Like, you can't voodoo over here. This is where I voodoo. You have to voodoo over there. Okay, fine. I'm going to Manchac. It actually wasn't called Manchac. It was actually called, um, there were three different, um, communities in that area and that was a big logging area and they would send their um timber to um as as far up north as chicago so by way of new orleans you know they would um farm the farm they would um, they would use the cypress lumber and send it up there but it was this it was the towns of ruddock frenier and napton um, all before it was Manjike, but all, but these were all on the edge of the uh, Lake Pontchartrain. And so, oh, they also farmed cabbages too, which I thought was kind of interesting. So they would send their cabbage and their cypress up there. Um, cabbage. Right, mm. right. But maybe it grows well in the swamp. So I thought, okay, well, maybe so. So she would, um, she, she, oh, she, so the railroad would bring the cabbage and the cypress um, up north, this is when they didn't have any roads. They didn't have doctors or electricity. So you can imagine. So all you would have to do would probably say like, take these herbs, eat this, whatever. And then like, that's how yeah. she would do her, you know, voodoo work, her, her magic. But, um, one thing that she's noted for saying, and even singing on her porch was that, um, well, she thought, she thought everybody took her for granted. They and then I took that to be like maybe they really didn't whole everyone didn't wholeheartedly believe buy into the whole fact that you know she's a voodoo priestess. So um, and she's basically like a fu. She's just said one day I'm gonna die and take the whole town with me. So she is noted Whoa. as saying that right, right. So um, in Damn. right in September 29th, 1915, there was a massive hurricane. And it swept, like, blew through the town and blew them away. <laughs> Almost everybody in the town. Oh, That's so the legend. Wasn't playing. Right. So this was after she had passed away. 
of course. And so this hurricane comes in and kills all the people. Of course, that's where the legend spurs up, you know, after that. It's like, whoa, she did say she was going to kill everybody in the town. Wow. <laughs> right. And so um, homes were flattened. Buildings were demolished. Um, miles of railroad tracks were washed away. Um, a few, they did have a few survivors. And they... They uh, said how they told stories about how they clung to Cypress knees and tried to, to hang on and they could listen to everybody else drowning in the swamp. So, I mean, they were, this is oh this God. was brutal back then. And it did. And they said that the hurricane did seem to come out of nowhere. But um, they and then now they say that she haunts the swamp and you can see a, a lady in her white gown. It's always a lady in a white gown, you know. She's wearing it a white is, gown. A lady in white. Right. Walking through the swamp. And so, um, but and then you can hear screams in the in the swamp. So yeah, that's pretty crazy and creepy. I like that one. i I didn't know about her. Yeah, I I didn't know the story until I looked into it, but I'd heard yeah, I was just about to say, so now would be a good time for a break. Okay. Let's take a break and we'll come back. We'll tell more stories, creepy stories. song me too this is my new favorite song i think you better slow down though you're going kind of fast uh-oh it's too late uh-huh. oh my god it's a motorcycle cop that reminds me i've been listening to this new podcast called motor cop chronicles podcast motor cock chronicles motor cop Chronicles. Get your mind out of the gutter. I mean, they do wear those tight pants and boots. And bike. Oh, my God. The Iceman, the host of the show, he is so hilarious. He tells all of his stories from, from people that he stopped and pulled over and crashes. He has rants that he goes on about people and, and their habits and bad habits and everything. He does it in the news section. It is so funny. You're going to have to listen to it. I guess I'm going to have to check out Motor Cop Chronicles then. Yes, you are. Ma'am, I pulled you over for doing 80 and 45. I need your driver's license, insurance, registration, please. Okay, well, I was not going 80. I'm not here to argue with you. Need the information now? Fine. Stand by. I'll be right back. I wonder if that was the Iceman. No, but if it was, that means we might be on his next podcast. Maybe so. All right, ma'am, I need you to sign right here. It's not admission of guilt. The state you didn't pay a citation or show up in court. All right, thank you. Drive safe. Yes, sir. You too. Oh, my God. It was the Iceman. You see right here on this ticket? He signed it, the Iceman. We are so on 
the next podcast. He is going to mention us. What if he thought we were cute? Oh, my God. Yes. I'm definitely going to check out Motor Cop Chronicles to see if we're on there. It's so funny. So next uh, up is Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop at 941 Bourbon Street in New Orleans. And that is Jean Lafitte. Uh, Jean Lafitte was a pirate and a privateer. Um, But Lafitte's Blacksmith Shop is the country's oldest building that's operating as a bar. Um, It was uh, built in 17... 22 and is one of the oldest buildings in the French Quarter, but it is the oldest bar in the United States. That's uh, so cool. And it, and I've I have frequented this spot because <laughs> I I'm I'm rather fond of it. You did, you um, need to say what you told me offline. Oh, fair. I'm gonna go into like the 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 description of the place and it literally smells like 1722 in there but you know if you ever go you'll understand what i mean love it so um this spot is actually in my opinion and i think it's a widely held opinion in new orleans but they have the best hurricane there um because you know hurricane is synonymous with pat o'brien's and everybody thinks that that's the go-to spot for hurricanes but in yeah. my opinion the best hurricane is at lafitte's i have to try one but they yours. also have a signature daiquiri because when um inside they're behind the bar there's a you know row of daiquiri machines which is not uncommon for bars in right. new orleans but their signature one is Pur- is a purple it's purple drink it's called boo boo yes. daiquiri it's good i've had that it's good it's delicious but i do prefer the hurricanes um but anyway uh you know w- this place is um it- it's got exposed brick it's got the old creaky floors the Shutters are all cattywampus. There's no windows um, or no glass in the windows, and it's candlelit. The the lounge area is candlelit um, because when you walk in um, on the right side, you have the actual bar, and then on the left-hand side is the um, lounge area with all of the tables, and oftentimes, well, all the time, you know, the windows are open, and... um, it's uh there's a uh a fireplace yes. that's central to the lounge area that's floor to ceiling. Cool. Um 
but you know, it's just the place is partially, uh, there's, I I was going to say unelectric, but that's not a word. Um, (laughs) part, part of the structure doesn't have any electric. Um, that's why that's the reason for the candle, um, as lighting, but candles as lighting. But anyway, um, between, 1722 and 1791, Jean and Pierre Lafitte, the brothers, the pirate slash privateer brothers, uh, supposedly used this as home base for their smuggling operations because after the Embargo Act, they, now this is fact, they did uh, take to uh, smuggling operations in Barataria Bay. Um, we will mm-hmm. do a complete episode on this, though. Yeah, we th- we will revisit the the Little Feet Brothers for sure, and um, how that ties into um, all of the rich history. But anyway, supposedly Lafitte's was their home base whenever they switched to these. Uh, I guess you could say um, illegitimate operations, but. That's interesting to me because there are reports that neither one of them were even in the city yet by then, Mm. at that time. Um, I think Mm. Pierre didn't come to New Orleans till 1803, and um, Jean was just before that. So I think that's kind of poppycock. But anyway, (laughs) it's it's a good story. Right. (laughs) It's good to tell uh, tourists, you know, so don't believe the hype. Like, do your own research. Don't believe me either. Do your own research. Fact Um, check. So, um... So, Jean Lafitte is a notable figure um, to New Orleans for many reasons, but particularly as the hero of a major conflict during the War of 1812, which is the Battle of New Orleans. Now, typically, I don't refer to the city as New Orleans, but I am right now, because that's how people know. Well, right. The Battle of New Orleans. Um, The Battle of New Orleans. And everybody's like, what's that? So... (laughs) um. At any rate, like we said, we we are going to cover uh, the, these uh, people at length at a later time. But anyway, so I did talk about the fireplace a little bit, and it is central to the lounge area. Well, there have been reports of glowing red eyes that sometimes appear uh, around or in the fireplace and then they'll also float around the heads of the bartender. Oh, no. No. Nope. 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 Well, they're demonic. <laughs> no. To boot. Red eyes. No. I'm out. Check, please. Done. I've I've been there quite a few times, and I've been quite <laughs> right, right. torn down, twisted sister, and I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I went once, and it, 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 yeah, I didn't either. Luckily, I was drunk, because I wasn't just going to say that, because I, I don't know, if I was right? sober, I'd be, like, if I went now, I would be so scared. Yeah, well, I would be constantly, like, I would be fixated on looking for the, <laughs> the red the Maybe they've been there and I just never knew. Right, exactly. That's what I was saying earlier. You know, what if you, like, that's kind of what I was saying. But, you know, how do you, what if we had walked right past ghosts on bourbon all the time and we were just so drunk we didn't even, we missed it. 
I mean, I, I think it's it's probably it, it, it's probable. <laughs> if I was a ghost, that's where I'd want to remain forever. Wouldn't is that it, be is the in coolest the, place in ever the French Quarter? And because how entertaining is that? You could laugh at everybody too. You could like you could see some sights and mess with people too. Crazy. Yeah. Very. Well, it's supposedly also haunted by people killed in French Quarter fires of 1788 and 1794. Yeah. And the ghosts of Lafitte uh, are Jean Lafitte himself. Um, and he does not interact with anyone. He keeps to the shadowy corners and he stares until people notice him and then he'll disappear. Oh, like what? Um, Oh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yep. Stel, Stel, oh, what's his name? Stelling Skarsgård. What is his yep. character? And he's like in the corner and he just comes out, like peels Doesn't off the wall. that make you think of him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, so here's a fun fact. He only, he's only ever been seen on the first floor. I didn't know there was a second floor. I didn't either. And I've been there lots of times. So I'm going to have to fact check this because when I was reading it, I was like, there's no second floor. And if there is, it's not, there's nowhere, there's nowhere to go. I mean, maybe is that just for employees? Like they have a stairway, stairway. There could be an interior stairway and it could be for like storage or whatnot, but I am all, and I could be wrong. Like, please, whoever's listening, like correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have a problem with that, but I don't think there's an upstairs open to, um, patrons. Yeah. I could be wrong. I've been there lots of times. I don't ever remember an upstairs. So another ghost, uh, supposedly, um, dwells on the second floor and she's unknown nobody obviously nobody knows who she is she's only been seen a few times and she likes to whisper your name in your ear oh man which is <laughs> which is super weird. i i have heard that sober and drunk man i wow okay you just made me think <laughs> i just get super scared super weird like and they say that she does that just because she wants you to know she's there she doesn't mean any harm she just wants to scare you to death yeah thank you creepy lady so between that and the phantom disembodied red eyes like i'm gonna be on high alert the next time i go there oh my god no 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 i do want to go now now they said that i want to look for the second floor and the red eyes, but if somebody's whispering my name, I'm out. I'm out. How you know my name? You don't know me. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Okay. That was good, Christine. Um, yeah, so that'll yeah. do it for my list. Okay, so I... Spooky Town. Yeah, we need to go. But so up next, I have the old state capital in um, Baton Rouge. So, in 1846, the Louisiana legislature moved its government to New Orleans. I'm sorry, from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. I totally said that backwards. And this is um, in 1847. I guess it took them a whole year to do that. Because <laughs> that's what... <laughs> All right, let's just say 1847 is when this happened. 
So yeah, let's see. They had there was a parcel of land and it cost twenty thousand dollars. This was donated to the state for a state capitol building. And the land donated by the state, this stood on the top of Baton Rouge Bluff, which faced the Mississippi River. And it's absolutely beautiful if you see it. It's so it's gothic in design and it just stands there, and it's not it's not tall. I mean, the new one towers over it, but it's just so cool to see. And that's actually where they they had that's where the the state legislature um, happened. You know, that's where all the magic happened, or all the mm-hmm. <laughs> all the is that the, what we call it? Right? Magic? Yeah, just magic. That has to be what happens, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, magic. If it's not voodoo, it's magic, right? <laughs> so, either you have cath, you have Catholicism, voodoo, and magic, yeah, going on down there. Um, so, an architect named James Darkin, he was commissioned to design it, and he was told not to mimic other capital buildings, and that's where he came up with the neo-gothic medieval castle look, and um, which is what I was just describing earlier. And the materials were actually cheaper and durable to build this. This was um, during the Civil War, uh, a Union admiral. He captured the state of New Orleans, the state of New Orleans, the city of New Orleans, <laughs> and the seats of the government. <laughs> the seat of the government was moved away from Baton Rouge. So then this castle was castle i say castle it's actually it looks like a castle why not it was used it's yes it was used as a prison and then as a garrison so not only is it cool and creepy and gothic you know just it doesn't look spooky just it looks cool but it actually had you know has this crazy history about being a prison and then a garrison but and it caught on fire twice and um the uh the union troops left it gutted it left it as an empty shell so then it was transformed and reconstructed and then this um william Frey is who reconstructed it and he is credited with the installation of the stained glass dome and then the beautiful spiral staircases so if you know it's worth looking up if you want to um look how if you haven't seen it already or know about it um it's very oh it's very pretty it's just it's, it has some sort of uh, um, attribute. Is it the tallest? Oh capital? yes, yes it is. It is the um, wait. I thought that was the new one. Hold on. Oops, sorry, some, that's okay. You're right, I'm wrong. Because the the new one is taller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My bad. That was Huey P. That was some Huey P. The ones. I he, forgot. We're still in the. The original capital. <laughs> we made one thing about it. Well, like, we probably could talk about that. I'm not sure that it's haunted, but, you know, they still have the bullet hole that they show everybody. And the new one, that yes. is. That um, where Huey P was, um, you know, he was the hail of fire that rained upon him. And then the, one of them got lodged in the in the uh, wall. And then there is also, there was an explosion. Um, I, I just remember being a kid. And looking at it, and then um, when my daughter, she talks about this all the time because they went on a field trip. She talks about the pencil after the explosion. There's a pencil stuck in the ceiling, and yep. it's way I up her there. Yes, yeah, so that you know that makes an impression. So anyway, that's the new one. Um, but 
This um, the old one. It was re- it was restored again in the 1990s, and it's actually a museum of political history, and it has been refurbished. And there's they have they have balls there. They have dances, and they of course showcase you know Louisiana and their whole French culture theme. But um, they have a resident ghost, and her name is Sarah Morgan. And Sarah is the girl who lived during the Civil War, and her family is the one who donated the property on the bluff, um, on which, you know, it overlooks the river right there where it is. And so she, she watched the castle being built, so it just stands to reason that that's where she would reside forever and ever. But um, visitors and staff, they report a feeling of being watched. Um, there's a security officer named Tom Clark, and he said that they sometimes see a flash of light or shadows on their cameras and their monitors. Ooh, that's so spooky. Um, They hear footsteps down the empty halls, doors slamming when no one's around. Um, And then they they feel like something just, or someone just shoved you. Like he's, (laughs) nope. Oh. No, no touchy. Don't, no touchy. Like, don't touch me. (laughs) Not effing shove me okay <laughs> hey so which is worse being whispered like christine or being shoved mm, mm, mm. <laughs> both they're both equally horrible right so maintenance man was clearing the tables one night and the security guards on duty they heard a loud boom followed by a frightened employee rushing into their office and they were trying to convince them that someone else's was in the building and then they heard footsteps on the balcony. But when they went up there to the balcony, um, then then they heard, like, more doors slamming. But they couldn't find anybody. So, that's... So, these ghosts big mad. They slammed <laughs> stuff. They well, can you mad. imagine? They didn't get their magic to work right there. <laughs> their magic <laughs> wasn't happening. So, they're like, oh, no. I am going to slam these doors. You know, I will say if my ghost, when I'm a ghost, I, I, I'm I'm a door slammer. So I'm <laughs> I'm a door, I am a door slammer too. I'm a cabinet slammer and I'm a door slammer. That's true. <laughs> but I'm not a wall puncher, so you know. No, nope, not slammer. a wall puncher, but I will I will slam a door <laughs> real proper like. <laughs> yeah, me too. Let's run in the family. That's funny. So there you go. Um, so give that one, you know, look look that one up if you have a chance, or go there. You can. It's a museum now. Um, the next one up is Pleasant Hall at LSU. So LSU already, um, of course, began uh, prestigious as it is uh, national championships champions as it is, and they um, first of all, for those of you who don't know, there uh, it's. Up and down the Mississippi River is uh, um, land that was inhabited by um, natives just for thousands and thousands of years going back. And then um, this is not anything different at LSU because they're known they have their mounds there as well. So there is, they have that going on. They um, there's uh, tunnels underneath um lsu which a lot of people want to say that's kind of creepy i'm just gonna go ahead and get this out of the way it's not they it's part of their um their old steam system 
And then the tunnels are for the maintenance guys. There's not really a whole lot going on. But, like, ever since, like, the 50s and the 60s, you know, fraternities, sorority, they would go down there and just get weird. And um, people, so they're like, oh, wow, there's 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 a lot of weird stuff going on down there, a lot of spooky stuff. But really, mm-hmm. right, right. But it's nothing, it's not like secret tunnels, you know. It's, it's really just for maintenance. Not Disney World. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 right, exactly. So, um, LSU's also known, oh, well, I don't know if they're known for this, but they have had their jumpers. They have had people who jumped out of the windows and committed suicide. And we're actually, I'm going to actually gonna talk about Pleasant Hall, but uh, when our mother went there, she told us a story about when she was there her first week, I think. It was the first few days. She was there. Miller Hall had just opened. It was a, a woman's dormitory. And she said that's why her parents really pushed for her to go there because it was a brand-new woman's dorm on campus. And it was just going to be nice and wonderful. And she really didn't want to go there. I think the story goes she wanted to go to Southeastern. But anyway, um, she went there. And she remembers walking outside and seeing, um, like, the aftermath of someone jumping from the sixth floor to their death and, you know, being roped off and taped off and that. But um, that has happened through the years, not just that particular instance, but other ones. And um, out of all the buildings on campus, Pleasant Hall seems to be the most haunted. And this one, this uh, Pleasant Hall was built in the the 30s. It was uh, a woman's dormitory. And then it served as a hotel, and this is before the Laud Cook Alumni Center, which is actually the hotel that they have there now. Um, and it's really creepy. Um, they People have accounts of hearing uh, voices, and um, they see things, but they have long hallways. They have mirrored partitions, um, deep burgundy carpeting and just the molding like a lot of the buildings because LSU is very old it was it was um founded in the 1800s so um I didn't know the date but I don't I think it's 1853 uh, 53 that's what I was gonna say thank you for that um it was actually moved to because it was a old war school <laughs> so um but this one is the the woman's dormitory and there's been attempted murders and suicides. Um, there, so the story goes: there's actually a girl who haunts, um, who haunts Pleasant Hall. She and her boyfriend were in a, um, a tumultuous argument, a fight, and she goes up to where he is and she shoots him to attempt to kill him. He actually lives, but then she goes back to her room and she kills herself. And so, uh, and this was in room 312. There's even a room. So, like, mm-hmm. 312. Um, so, this is where people, they see her, the ghost of her walking in the halls, um, like, disembodied voices. They hear, there you go again. Like, oh, my gosh, if I heard something, I'll be like, nope, not staying there. But, um Pleasant Hall is not the only place for spirits. There's Evangeline Hall, and that's one of the oldest resident halls on campus. And it's also um, for female housing. And they claim to see ghosts there. Um, But they believe that 
they have ghosts there to protect them, though. They're not, they don't believe they're um, actually there to do them any harm. They actually claim that they, they um, protect them. So they just get the spooky, creepy feeling. So yeah. I don't know how I would feel about that. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Like, look, I'm just here to get my degree. I'm just, or I'm just here to go to the next party. And then they wouldn't care anyway. But, you know, some of the more yeah. serious ones. Um, they, yeah, no. I'm, like, not trying to be friends with a ghost. Unless they're the ones that want to um, be cool and protect you and hang out with you. And then that's cool, too. But, um, like I said, they have the mounds there, too. and you're, you're, They have them roped off now. But then, you know, you could, even people out there tailgating, you could go play on them. Like, kids would just go run up the mount the mounds and play on and these well i remember doing that when we yes were yes we did and we could and they allowed it well now you can't they rope it off because um and th they're like 20 feet high and they're more than five thousand years old um but they don't believe that um let's see i think i have that in my notes i'm here they don't believe that that was actually those were burial mounds um because they've done sampling and things like that or maybe they didn't. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm getting in trouble. But they don't. Yeah. They don't believe that Just they. Kidding. Yeah, no, they actually did. I'm sorry, I was telling the truth. So <laughs> they, the LSU professor Brooks Elwood, he took core samples, and they that so these core samples they had layers of charcoal, and so they think that was possibly from pit barbecue or cremation. They don't think yeah. they actually buried them there. Like, that was what, like, they would, uh... But it's still the remains. Right, exactly, yeah. Um, the, the other thing that's cool, too, and at some point, I definitely want to do an episode of Poverty Point and Watson Break. So, these are two places in Louisiana, and this is not, this doesn't have to do with the story that we were just talking about the mounds. Um, or I guess I was, I don't know. I'll prod it up. Um, Poverty Point in is in North Louisiana along along the river. It's just an absolutely amazing place. I've never been there. Definitely want to go. We should go. And then I want to go too. We're we gonna go. go. We'll We're go doing it. And we'll do an episode on it. But it's just absolutely amazing how uh, old it is. And I mean, they they think there are uh, these these mounds and the, these structures that the the Native Americans built are over 11,000 years old. Like, that's crazy. And not only that, um, Watson Break is um, even older than that. You can't tour that because that's um, it's not open to the public. It's actually on private property. But people, big names like um, such as Graham Hancock, um, he's actually been to Poverty Point and to Watson Break, which is, like I said, on private property. I'd love to go there. The mounds on Watson Break, are, they predate the pyramids. So I just said all that to say that these these um, these mounds are a large part of a, the statewide system of mounds, the ones at LSU, Poverty Point, and Watson Break, and it's just we have those in our state, and it's just wild, wildly amazing, amazing. So um, that is the, uh, creepy tales at LSU. So now I have one from um, my where I live. My hometown tale. And this one my kids told me about. This is the Witch of Zachary. 
What? They told you about this? They did. They did. They told me. So uh, it went around social media in their little circles. So I had to look this up. So Uh, is this like a, a, um, what's it called? A local legend? Yeah, but there's another word I'm looking for. I can't find it. That's okay. I'll it's think big. of it. It's big. It's a big word. It's, it's so a big, big word, and it's it, it's it's so big. It, I can't remember what it is. <laughs> so Alice Penny Taylor, she was the wife of Isaac Taylor, and he may or may not have been the nephew of U.S. President Zachary Taylor. And in, in looking this up, I must say. Everything that I thought I knew about the Louisiana president, Zachary Taylor, was wrong. <laughs> or, or I didn't know. Like, for instance, he's not from Louisiana. Um, didn't know that, but okay. Um, wow. I know. I didn't didn't know that. Okay. Uh, much of the land which the city now occupies, and we're talking about Zachary, Louisiana, was part of a 160-acre farm owned by Daryl Zachary. Also thought Zachary was named after Zachary Taylor. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was. Too. Right. I'm here to debunk everything. Just, just totally pull the plug. Deflate. Deflate. In the 1880s, Zachary sold his land to the Illinois Central Railroad, and they built a track and a depot on it. It still runs through the city today. Um, not the trains, but the, the tracks are there with the depot and the village quickly grew up around the depot and they called this the city Zachary after the original farmer and they had a post office there it was open in 1885 and Thomas Edward McHugh was his first mayor he also became mayor of Baton Rouge too by the way there was a fire that devastated the city in 1903 and this was called by a greengrocer trying to flame ripen his bananas that was kind of wild and crazy and um there's a historic village um which is cute cute quaints you know they have a farmer's market there on saturdays uh, you know the works it's a tiny little city um now we uh have about nineteen thousand people i'm sorry fourteen thousand in 2010 i'm not sure what it is now i guess we'll find out after the 2020 census and it's about 16 miles from baton rouge um in 1812, uh, Zachary Taylor, this is the part where, okay, I'm kind of going to digress. I am going to get to the witch of Zachary, but this is kind of blew my mind, so I kind of want to throw this in there. Um, he was born in Virginia and moved to Louisville, Kentucky. So it's not, Zachary Taylor was not from Louisiana, so that's wild. The only Louisiana president wasn't from there. He was um, a captain in the army and then served in the war of 1812 so that's what like brought him to louisiana so he was a southerner and a slaveholder but he didn't he did not push for the expansion of slavery and sought out sectional harmony above other concerns and so to avoid the issue of slavery he urged settlers in new mexico and california to bypass territorial stage and draft constitutions for statehood and this this is what led to the Compromise of 1850. Um, yeah. Uh, so he's his nickname is All Rough and Ready. I do remember that. But he bought a plantation in Baton Rouge. So this is where he gets his, like, uh, I guess, um, like, people thinking he's from 
from Louisiana, but he's not. He's he's not. He just ended up there. But um, he did die of stomach disease, and they. Um, what does that mean? Uh, not sure. He ate some, but they did say that um, just before he died, he ate copious amounts of um, raw fruit. And, um, let's see, was it raw fruit and milk? <laughs> I think it was. So, so maybe the milk was contaminated, but, um, anyway, he had, um, Fillmore actually came in and he served his terms. He only served 16 months, which I knew it wasn't long, but I guess I also forgot that he died of a stomach disease. Um, but there is a theory this was kind of cool too. There's an assassination theory around this too that um, right that he was poisoned by pro-slavery Southerners because I you mean, know it a, sounds like it right like, what stomach disease right. ate <laughs> rotten fruit and milk no somebody poisoned him right. right that is more believable for me so some people said that because Washington had open sewers. And his food or drink could have been contaminated, but um, but other people lived there too. You know, he wasn't the only one that lived there and got stomach disease. Right. <laughs> so. That's so vague. He died of stomach <laughs> disease. Right. Anyway, this okay. I'm getting way off track, but I did want to throw that in there because I, I just to me that was pretty interesting. All right. Can I just say I yeah. just remembered what the the term is for what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yes, this was. yes. Urban legend. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Absolutely. You said the kids told you about it. So I'm like, this is like, sounds like urban legend. Right, right. Okay. And so. Carry on. Right. All right. So that was a little sidebar for Zachary Taylor. And um, I guess we'll leave that in, but you can fast forward. Well, I guess not now because it's too <laughs> Like you should have told us that at the Too beginning late. before you're you on this wild, meandering, crazy ride with us. I told you it was gonna be fun. See, it's fun. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get it back here. I'm gonna get it back on the rails. So, Alice, the witch of Zachary, she died in 1859, and that's where her story of she well, that's where she ended. But the story of Alice, the witch of Zachary, begins. So, Alice, the Witch of Zachary, I love that. It has such a crazy ring to it. She began haunting the folk of Zachary. This is when the town was little more than a village. Little more than a village? Like, I kind of feel like it's still a village. But, um, yeah, anyway. It must have been, like, super tiny. <laughs> right. It was super tiny. So, okay. And then in the 1850s, this is another thing that I guess we kind of didn't even bring up but it does play a, a huge part in louisiana um in the 1850s there was they had yellow fever epidemic like of huge proportions that's where um a lot of the like the sim the st louis cemetery like they were overcrowded yep. and that's when they had mm -hmm. to start building yeah building on to that um so anyway, so she made the story goes that alex made a pact with the dark forces who extended her contract with the land of the living. So basically, if she wanted to keep on living, she had to go to the dark side. And so she 
this is where we pick up in the story that she was into witchcraft. She had a small gate around her, and this is where you're talking about St. Louis cemeteries, not crypts. That's the first thing I want to say, and that is so wrong. The um, vaults. But it's not even really a vault. She has an above ground, yeah. above ground cement tomb. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. So, and then she had a little small gate around it, which I feel like that's probably where a lot of it came from. Like she was older anyway, the, the grave site. And then you have a little gate around it. They're like, oh, that's spooky. So there are three cemeteries here in Zachary. It's crazy. And they're right there together. Like kind of like what you were talking about, um, St. Louis yeah. Cemetery. So there's Zachary Public Cemetery. And this is on the crossroads. This is at um, Church Street slash Main Street. Um, and then. I remember uh, that. Area. Right. And 964, which is also Old Scenic Highway. And the corner of it, um, and the very corner, that's actually where the Zachary Public Cemetery is. And then right next door, if you're going, um, I'm also directionally challenged as well. If you're going north on 964, the one next to it is Azalea Rest Cemetery. And then next to that is Bueller Plains. So all three of these are, it looks like one big cemetery, but they're actually three different ones. And so they say she just haunts all three. She just goes her free roam and goes like, you know, through all three of them. So whether she held a grudge or whether she was just tired of like her cramped confines, she would not rest in peace. So three separate occasions, the slab covering her grave was moved and her remains were later found outside her grave. That's pretty, yeah, that's creepy, right? That's so creepy. So they put heavy iron bars to her grave to hold her in, basically. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. So they, and then they say the locals, which I know quite a few, claim that you can spot, none none of them has ever told me this, though. They claim you can spot her roaming the cemetery at night, calling out to her loved ones. But they also say she's searching for a way to escape the cemetery to carry out a vengeful killing spree. Right. And um, so documentation of Alex outside her tomb started in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, so numerous, mm. look, numerous occasions, the concrete slab was broken, and the next morning, her remains were found outside her grave. Like, this kept yeah, happening. No, I, okay, <laughs> sort of wishing. Never do this. So, okay, this this is pretty crazy as well. Um, so, there was one of the cemetery, uh, a man on the cemetery maintenance board, his name is Rain Rahilio. He reached out to forensic anthropologist Mary Mainheim for help in 1990. Okay, so if you, it must have been bad or something happening because he reached out to her for for assistance. Um, her nick, she's dubbed the um, the Bone Lady. She actually wrote uh, about this um, in a book, um, and you can find that online, one of the online Google books. But Is she, she um, so not she's not affiliated or not. With LSU, is this someone she, from somewhere else? No, I believe she is. She's um, because they're big. Yes, they have a big anthropology. They department. do, and they have been a part of. I don't feel like they get enough credit that they have been a big part of help to identify cold cases. Yeah. LSU in their department. Yeah, so she yes, she's uh, LSU. She's a forensic anthropologist. Okay. I was um, just curious about that, honestly. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that she's there anymore. This was back in the 90s when he reached out. But he wanted to put a face with the, you know, with the bones, with the story of the witch's act. I mean, no, that's okay. You don't have to do that. We're right. Good. He's like, who is this chick that keeps, like, popping her bones out of her grave? <laughs> like, this is weird. Um, but like, I don't want this, all these bones bones in here right and then who who better to call like the bone lady i love it um but teens like in the 50s they would hang out there like that was there i think it was more like parking like teens are like parking there because actually that's where um Derek todd lee before he was caught there was uh there's a connection to a couple in um Park, parking right now and we'll cover that as well but um we ha- we're gonna have some guests on to um and by shut up i mean tell me right, right i didn't really mean <laughs> shut up because i really wanted to but right yeah they were um parking in this very cemetery <laughs> so, you, you have got to be kidding me i'm not i'm not we will get more you know more on that later but, we're gonna um, have to now Yes, so she was repeatedly dug up and left out. And then he just hoped that she could examine these bones and say, okay, who is she? So he, so she did that, and, so she, and she wrote um, the bone lady. She, uh, she wrote all about Alice Taylor, who was the witch of Zachary. So she was about 19. Alice Taylor, that is, when she died, and she was about five foot two. Um, her hair was crudely chopped off at the shoulders. I'm not sure how they. Well, I guess maybe her hair was still there. Okay. She had a bad haircut. Yeah, yeah. So she um, suffered from a terrible fever before her death, um, which was during the yellow fever epidemic. So more than likely, she contracted yellow fever at 19, and she died. But she was married for a year. Um, there was no evidence to prove her family notes and that she was pregnant right after or after her death because that was part of the um, the local lore too. Um, but they, there's no evidence of that. But um, did you mention like do they know where she lived in Blackberry? No, they didn't say that. Huh? Because before you tell me all this shit about her throwing bones out of her grave, I was gonna be like, can we go? To her grave. Well, there are pictures. We'll have to oh. identify because you can ride by. Because I rode by last time and I was. But she. But the locals do see a lady in white, um, walking through all three of the graveyards, and uh, she disappears. And that's creepy to know that in this small town, <laughs> we have a haunt. <laughs> we have a ghost. Yeah, I have place. a totally different outlook now. Right. Exactly. You know, in, in, if you're in New Orleans, that's one thing because you're in a city with a lot of people and you feel like there might be safety in numbers. But you're out here in a rural area and you know that like there's a, a local haunt in the cemetery. That's that's even creepier to me. Yeah, so. pretty much. Okay, so I'm going to end on a good, I say good note. These are all good, but I'm going to end on a lighter hearted one. And a cool one. So, and this is probably boring people who really want to hear creepy, creepy ghost stories. But um, I clearly like the ones that have more history attached to them. Um, right. Mainly because I didn't pay attention to history. I thought it was terribly boring growing up. But now that I'm older, I'm like, I loved it. Right. But I'm learning it for the first time. And it's just, it's fun. So, this one is about the USS Kid. 
Um, this is, uh, she is docked. For those of you who don't know, she's docked in Baton Rouge on the Mississippi River, and we're so lucky to have her here. And I just, I took her for granted, I'm not going to lie. I have toured it years ago, but I had no idea what a jewel, like what a Didn't jewel that Brandy we have. Daddy take us there? Yes. Yes. Okay. Is that what you're talking about? No, but you know, he took us to air shows and 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 things like the, you know, military stuff and and even then we were so young to appreciate it, but looking back, I'm so glad that he did. You know, and it's nice to to realize, wow, okay. So you can have a newfound interest thing is what I'm I'm trying to say. I'll look at it in a whole and you different way. think about light. what he was trying to do, right. like, for us. Yes. We, but we had no idea. We no. just thought it was spending time with Nana and Granddaddy. We didn't think, you know. On a boring old military ship, you know. <laughs> We're like, this is, this is a drag. This is boring. <laughs> but I do. But wanna... it really wasn't. We no. just wouldn't know until we were adults. Exactly. And I do want to go back because now, like I said, I have a whole newfound respect. But um, so this is. Um, a Fletcher class, she's a, she, she's a Fletcher class destroyer. She's, like we said, is, her name is the USS Kid, or DD-661. And this is something that I didn't know, but the um, 661, she was the 661st destroyer made. So that's why wow. she has that number. And it was the first ship of the United States Navy to be named after Rear Admiral Isaac C. Kidd who died on the bridge of the USS Arizona. And that is when, that was um, the ship that was attacked in Pearl Harbor in 1941 by the Japanese, uh, which launched the the U.S. into uh, World War II. So Admiral Kidd was the first U.S. flag officer to die in World War II. And he was the first American admiral to ever be killed in action. So So was he killed the first, the, 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 like, like early in the in the um, bombing, like he was one of the first to go. Well, yeah, because the attack was when they attacked the USS Arizona that sank, and he was on that ship. Okay. Yeah, that was the attack at Pearl Harbor. That's where my knowledge and history right. fails me. So. Right, which um, I knew about the USS Arizona and how, but I didn't know to the extent that I've learned recently. Um, just because we had booked our trip to go next year to Hawaii. And that's one of the things that we want to do is go to the, uh, well, you know, my husband's already been, but I'll get to go see it. But um, oil actually seeps out of it and they can't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. They have to leave it there. And uh, it's just, it's crazy. So they built a memorial around it. But anyway, that that's going to be pretty wild. But I'm glad that I learned about the USS Kid and the uh, relationship to before you go. Yeah, yeah, that's that's wild. But um so this is cool. So when she was um when she was built, uh she they they decided um that the talisman, which is a something I learned too, this is a lucky charm associated with with the ship, um, would be Captain Kidd the pirate. So so it's named yeah so it's and this is how it all plays in so it's uss kid the ship named after rear admiral um, isaac kid but they the talisman it's lucky charm associated with it is also captain kid same last name pirate but he was his 
So Admiral, Rear Admiral Kidd's nickname was Cap for Captain, named after the Pirate Kid because they had the same last name. So okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So that I hope that came across. Um, in yeah, I hope that came across and not confusing. So well, if I got it, that then <laughs> anyone can. His, okay, good. So his wife um, was able to get permission from the Navy to paint a pirate on the smokestack. Like, this is so cool. Like, this is all, yeah, this is just so cool to me. And they flew the Jolly Roger, the Skull and Crossbones. I'm about to cry. They flew oh the Skull gosh. and Crossbones um, from from her because um, because of that whole association. You know, his nickname was Cat, wow, his ki- uh, cat for Kid. Yes. And um, and not the whole time, you know, just from, um, just kind of like a ceremonious thing from where she was um, built to where she was going to go. And so, yeah. like, how cool is that? Um, so, and then her nickname was Pirate of the Pacific. I was such a, I was so weird. I, was, I got tears in my eyes. This is so cool. So, anyway, so this is, so she is a national landmark here, like I said, in um, Baton Rouge on the Mississippi River. It's a museum ship. You can go and tour there. I'm not sure what they're doing for COVID, but, um, you know, up until then, at least, anyway, you could go and, and tour it. Um, like I said, we did when we were younger, but she, um, she's been restored to her, to original World War II configuration, the only destroyer to be, um, to, to be done so, like that, and then also the movie Greyhound that, um, just came out with Tom Hanks was filmed, um, on the kid, and that's probably why. Because on you know, Apple TV, yeah, yeah, it's probably why because it is the only one um, destroyer they could do it. Yeah, that was that was off restored. location on the actual destroyer, right? That's um, freaking awesome, right? And that's here in our backyard, really. So anyway, um, I didn't know this either, except for like maybe playing Battleship. <laughs> you know, you sank my Battleship. <laughs> you know, you have the. Um, the aircraft carriers, and then you have the the huge battleships. I don't think they have those anymore, but they did anyway. And those are the big ones. Those are the big, massive ones that everybody just, oh, they're so in awe of. But this was a destroyer. They're significantly smaller, but they're more, they're very functional and considered the backbone of the fleet because they're very nimble. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it would take forever to turn a, Big large ships around these things can you know kind of go through the water much quicker, and they are loaded to the teeth with, with arms. You know they they have all kind of um, I don't even begin to even know <laughs> what right. kind of weapons on them, but they're just they they have they're they're loaded to bear like they say. So in, yeah, um, so she fought in World War Two, and um, also Korea, and then the battles battles of Tinian and Guam. Um, and then one particular rescue, she fought off eight Japanese bombers while sim- simultaneously bringing down two downed pilots to safety and not receiving any damage. So um, they thought, oh, oh my gosh, she's got uh, to have this uh, lucky clover attached to her. But um, later on, that one proved to be not true because she did suffer some kamikaze Damage from kamikazes. They, I mean, my gosh, those things. Like, what could they do? Like, what could they do against the, the kamikazes? Those were just badass. 
Um, so did they have to limp her back to the states? Um, they did, and they and they uh, restored her then, and she went back out after that. But um, it just I would just pointed that out that she wasn't just like oh she went this whole career and didn't suffer any damage because she actually did. But um, so to get to the I guess the spooky part, visitors have reported seeing great deal of strange phenomenon. They claim to see full-bodied apparitions of young men in 1940s era naval uniforms, and they're patrolling um, and walking through these tight passageways, which I have to say, that would be cool to me. Like, I don't even think right. I'd be scared if I saw a 1940s sailor, you know, a seaman. I just don't think I would. <laughs> I just would think that that's cool, you know? Um, but Golly. yeah, yeah. Um, but then they, um, uh, they've seen like arms and legs passing through solid walls with, uh -uh. Nope. With, with nothing attached to them. So they have seen that though. And, um, there you go. That's it. But that, that was more history than it was creepy, but that's cool. That's also something that people should put on their bucket list if they haven't seen that because not only is it it's just it's full of history like and it and these things are in our home state so those of you that are listening from louisiana or sister states mississippi texas who haven't check out some of these places because truly are amazing and just they you know, are yeah and just uh, thank you guys for listening and sticking with us um we didn't want to do something lighthearted and fun and not get too, like, down in the weeds for that. But um, if you like what you hear, please um, give us a five-star review wherever you rate your podcast. If you want to join us in the conversation, we're on Twitter. We're So Disco. Um, or at So Disco on Twitter. Um, and then it's Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. So um, I hope you guys have a wonderful, happy Halloween. And we'll catch you on the next one. Yes, we will. Thank you. You've been listening to Southern Discomfort with April and Christine. As you can tell, this is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. So we want you to be able to reach out to us. Send emails to Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, it's Southern Discomfort Podcast. And on Instagram, it's Southern Discomfort PC. And for shows, visit Southern Discomfort.podbean.com. And this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Till next time, keep one eye open because you never know what you might see. This is Southern Discomfort. Signing off.